Hello folks and welcome to the Gridiron Crew, an NFL podcast made in Scotland discussing America's game. Week 13 is just around the corner, so it's time for the preview crew. I'm your host Dan, and joining me tonight are some of the finest crew members. <laughs> yes, as you know, it's St Andrew's evening uh, today, it's St Andrew's day today, so we'll come to that in the, uh, the kick-off question in a minute, guys. I need to do the introductions first, I've been preparing for these all day, right? Folks, the definition of browning is typically, isn't typically messing things up from a good position as a team from Cleveland usually do. It actually means to make something brown typically by cooking it. So it's quite appropriate. That's the name of the Bengals QB since our season is well done. Stu, how are you doing? Uh, I was doing pretty good, but yeah, you've just reminded me of how sad I, how sad I actually am right now. Um <laughs> I guess it's just one of those things, but uh, yeah, the Bengals are probably done for the year, so I, I'm now looking forward to the draft. Uh, I should say that, actually, earlier this week, on Monday, I did my first draft, uh, mock draft of the season, so it's officially <laughs> that time of year. I haven't been uh, this early on the mock draft since the bad old days of pre-borough, which I guess wasn't really that long ago, but still, it feels like a lifetime <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's that's when you know your season's well and truly done is when you're already know, looking to the next know. season. It's like which which offensive lineman are we going to be taking at wherever we are in the draft? Like, uh, and right now we're 15, so I'm kind of actually hoping that we fall a bit further so that uh, that draft pick gets a bit higher. To be honest, <laughs> apart from that, good. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Thanks for joining us as usual. Um, now everybody remembers the phase where dabbing was a celebration of choice. It was everywhere. Everybody done it. Well, there's a new trend in the Minneapolis area. When you score a touchdown, you shave your eyebrows off, and it's now known as dobbing. <laughs> Greg, how are you? I'm, I'm all right. Um, I, I don't know what you do. You, you said you, you dob when he, or dab, sorry, when he, t- he does touchdowns. I don't know what you do when he throws multiple interceptions. <laughs> I, was, I was dreading my intro when uh, when you gave Stu a bit of a grill and he's browning. I thought, oh, no, what's he going to say for me after uh, after that absolute horror show against the Bears? Less, less said about that, the better. It's my job. <laughs> the thing is, he's not getting the eyebrows, so you don't know what expression he's doing when he throws those interceptions. <laughs> I was going to say, right now, I'm actually, uh, I've been working my way through the Harry Potter books with my daughter, and um, we're up to book four, and if anybody remembers the books, that's uh, when you, you start getting into the house elf uh, liberation. Can I act? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, Dobbs is a bit like Dobby, and when he does something wrong, he starts, like, repeatedly banging, <laughs> banging, banging his head. <laughs> things like that. So, <laughs> bit of self-masochism. <laughs> hey, guys, let's get on with the kickoff. It's not really a question tonight because we've spoken this before we came on. We are prepared. We've had to be prepared for this one. So it's St Andrew's Day today. So we've come up with an all-Scottish offence on an NFL team, plus some key coaches as well. All right. So have you got the list ready, guys? He's ready to go with it. Let's do it. kick us off with the quarterback. Okay, the quarterback. So when we were we were having this chat in a group chat before we came on here, uh, and we decided there could only be one person. Well, there was a few suggestions, but the one person we settled on, Sir Andy Murray. We're going to have him as the quarterback because that guy, like his serves, his accuracy, his uh, sometimes surly nature and grumpiness. Charisma as well, as well to win. It's correct, yep, it's charisma. It's, uh, it's fashion, fashion sense, sense as well, to be fair. Probably fits in with some of the NFL players. 
Um, so yeah, no, we figured Andy Murray was the best person to have at quarterback, just serving up times for people to receive. Does does well on multiple surfaces as well. You could throw that oh, into the mix. Love it, love love it. There, like, hey, hey. And artificial surfaces. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right, so next I'll take up the running backs. So next we went with running backs. This came from a suggestion from Keith in terms of uh, cyclists, because their leg muscles are huge and they've got all the power. So we went with we had a double-edged sword with the running backs, went with Chris Hoy and Katie Archibald, purely because the legs that they two have are going to get you through any offensive line and any defensive line coming towards you. They uh, both, both love a bit of hardware around the necks as well, and I kind of sometimes feel like sometimes it's like the, uh, you know, running backs seem to be into the heavy gold chains. Something. Ah, that's right. Well, I guess, I guess Adams was as well. Smudge well Miles Garrett, you have your big chain, I have my multiple gold medals. <laughs> that's, that's it. When uh, when 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 your running back has to get like specially made trousers because their thighs are just that enormous, then yeah, I'd, I'd say that's pretty. We're, we're we're pretty solid in the in the running back department. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, go take us over with it with our yep. triple threat wide receivers. You you need to help me out, Dan, because I'm I'm on my phone um, oh, so for this because uh, I was having technical difficulties, so I don't want I don't want to switch screens and jump out the the stream. So I'll, you you I'll can help me out, mate. I'll name them and you can give us a justification for them. So, okay. get Colin McRae first. He's WR1. Why have we got Colin McRae there? WRC. WR1. That's <laughs> it. Well, well, that's it. You, when, when you think a wide receiver, you, you think of speed. You think of the, the our own Scottish Legion of Zoom. And, and who, who better that than Colin McRae? Um, I, I spent many, many happy years as a kid playing Colin McRae Rally. And uh, the guy's just an absolute legend. So, he is undoubtedly our Scottish wide receiver one. I don't know if I you could put a car or a rally car on an NFL field if there's a you know a flag for that probably, but um, <laughs> it'd be fun. Can you imagine imagine Andy Murray just like chuck, chucking a ball and Colin McRae just trying to like put his hand out the window, just trying to <laughs> try to do a handbrake turn to change direction for his for his route. I think it'd be pretty cool. Just stop on a dime. Aye, the snow players would help out in any of those kind of late December snow games that you maybe get yeah. as well. Like, ah, oh, field. <laughs> <laughs> a wide receiver, we need we need some people that can actually run as well. So we've went with uh, Laura Muir and Elish McColgan as the other two wide receivers. Absolutely. Great endurance as well, so you know that they're they're going to last the whole yeah. the whole match as well. They'll still be putting in the work at the end. Right, you've done 10,000 metres, neighbour. Absolutely, uh, right. completely agree. We'll go with uh, Stu, you can take us through the tight end choice. Oh, okay, yeah, we've went with uh, the one, the only, uh, Mr Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> no, the guy's an absolute bull in a china shop, which is kind of what you want for your your, way, uh, your tight end. Um, he's also pretty good at blocking, as well as uh, there was that famous story about the, the thieves. They tried to rob his house when he was actually in there, and they ended up hitting him through the window. So, right. your quarterback, I might help out there. Mm. Uh, but obviously, the downside with Duncan Ferguson is he's probably going to take the odd flag for the for a helmet to helmet hit. We won't go any further than that in that story because uh, that obviously had legal ramifications. Craig, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll come back to you for the kicker. For the kicker, we went with Gavin Hastings. Ah well, of course, Scott, Scottish rugby legend Gavin Hastings. So if, you, if you're going to have somebody that, that that can kick a kick a funny shaped ball that's Scottish, I mean, 
probably probably went for Hastings rather than like present day Scottish kickers because we've, we've got some got some good present day kickers that we could have gone for as well. But no, Gavin Hastings, legendary status, definitely deserves his place uh, place in our uh, offensive line. Um, so, I good choice, solid choice. Oh, Gav, or sorry, Dan's froze up there actually for once. He, he, he has. And I think what he was probably going to say too is uh, Big Gav also played for the Claymores. We're kind of cheating that because he actually had some uh, some gridiron experience. But uh, I, I, I I've forgotten about that. And you love it. You love a kicker too. So yeah. we we're always like, that was that was going to be a hotly contested uh, position in our Scottish lineup. I will say as well, just to kind of throw in a, a kind of either backup kicker or maybe the, the punter on the team, I'd like to put forward Julie Fleeton, like Ooh, uh, Scotland, okay. Scotland international legend as well. And like, you know, she of the many, many, many goals. So if you're looking for somebody that's accurate with the old kicking, I think she'd also be a good good choice to to have in there. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I mean, you could we could have chucked in like Jamie Gillen or somebody, like, you know, good good punter that's good at good at kicking the ball. Um, plenty, plenty of Scottish choices that we could have thrown in there as well. But I think we've I think we've got a pretty solid lineup so far. You you still got the lineup on your uh, on yep. your phones too? Yeah, I was just going to say moving on. So the offensive line, uh, we've went with two absolutely monster monster Scots. Uh, <laughs> that is the the Stokeman brothers. Who not only are they absolutely Sorry, guys. and beasts, that's hey, all right, man, back. we've been covering for you. We, oh, we've just completely wife, derailed it, and uh, we've been naming Kelly players the entire time since you were you were gone. <laughs> Sorry, my Wi-Fi booster. My Wi-Fi booster's been playing up this week. And that's the second time it's went off tonight. So, no worries, bud. So, I don't know if you see him with a. Two to two years, I think we're doing well. We've moved on. Gavin Hastings also has a. Or, or we we talked that? about his experience with the Claymores. Uh, we're actually we're yep. on to the Stokeman brothers now. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, so Stokeman brothers. So we went with him because obviously they're just huge, and you want them on your offensive line because they're going to protect Andy Murray at all costs, uh, and they'll also <laughs> they'll also get them through that protecting uh, to get uh, the running backs through as well. So that's good, right? Did we get to the coaches yet? No, no, no. Yeah, time for the coaches, right? Um, Spudger. William Wallace is an offensive coordinator. Talk us through that one. <laughs> well, I was I chucked that in the chat earlier on today because I mean, like for, for obvious reasons, if you're going to think of a, an offensive tactician, who who better than than picking William Wallace for that? Okay, it's maybe a wee bit of a curveball because uh, I don't think he's got any any prior knowledge of the NFL. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, <laughs> but I think he'd be a cracking offensive coordinator. <laughs> He would definitely know how to spot a blitz coming in as he, well. He would. He would. <laughs> he's he's no stranger to a bit, a bit of war paint as well. So okay, I yeah, I think he's a solid choice. And, <laughs> and he would compete with Al Pacino for those motivational speeches as well. C- correct. Actually, imagine imagine a, imagine a locker room speech, an NFL locker room speech by William Wallace, either pre-game or post-game. Be amazing. Just if all the players run out of the tunnel, be on their arses. <laughs> 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 oh man, be hilarious! Uh, right, next, we're going with uh, defensive coordinator Stu. Who have we got for defensive coordinator and why? <laughs> One of my favourite Scotland managers of all time, purely because of this genius tactical move, and it's the reason why we had to make him the defensive coordinator. It is of course Craig Levine, the four six zero. 
Like, there's nothing more, you know, the tactical genius of going, you know what, he's going to bother with a forward. You just have to come and try and break us down here. So, you know what, the guy thinks outside the box and sometimes you want that. Like, you know, he's a bit of a tinkerer as well. He'll put guys uh-huh. in stock that they'll no normally in. Craig Levine. I don't know what the, what would be like the, the NFL defensive equivalent of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, because... Because you're switching between offense and defense in the NFL, it's a, bit, it's a weird one. You know what? What, what could he do <laughs> to set up just just blitzing all the time? It's either that, <laughs> or, that or, like, defense, start, or or Dan, like yeah, when you start with like one lineman when you're doing your hail mary defense, yeah. and then you've just got like a load of linebackers and DBs whatever there to try and stop them coming, or the you know when you're trying to stop the laterals, like at the end of what yeah. we saw at the end of the Vikings game for the Bears. Oh. That was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Like, I think, um, I, I think when we, when we were talking about that game earlier on, and, and Grant had stayed up to watch it, and he'd put in the chat, "Don't bother to stay up, to, like, and watch the highlights, or don't watch the highlights the following day." And um, I, I did watch the highlights, unfortunately. But um, the the best thing about that was just that final play and how hilarious it was. Like, you watch it, and it, it would have been. Perfect if you'd put the Berry Hill theme tune or like in the background to just total frantic chucking of the ball everywhere, flags getting chucked as Dobbs just goes, ah, do you know, I'll just chuck chuck it to the side forward pass. Doesn't matter, I'll just yeah. keep going. <laughs> it's absolutely just hysterical. We'll get Keith on the case for that. He can I'm sure Keith's got the magic to put the Benny Hill theme over the top of that if I don't move that out in the socials because that'd be hilarious. Uh, and finally for head coach, we went with uh, the one and only Sir Alec Ferguson, because you can't really have any other Scottish person leading your team than him, can we Stu? No, I mean the, the guy's he's kinda been there, done it all, and even with Aberdeen. So I mean, you know, if you've got a guy that can do it with them and win in Europe. Before going on and rebuilding Man United and uh, being there for decades, like uh, he can chew bubblegum like nobody else as well. So yeah, I think he's the absolute perfect, perfect choice for the role. Yeah. Good sideline presence. Aye. Can you, can you imagine him, McGee, the hairdryer, taking and William Wallace giving you the motivational speeches, and Craig Levine just sitting in the corner trying to figure out how to stop people from scoring? Oh, yes, and the worst part will be when uh, Alex Ferguson chucks a shoe at somebody. <laughs> kicks a boot. That's what it was. He kicked his. He kicked a boot and it hit Beckham in the face, didn't it? Uh, big, big scar across the head. The next week, no, nothing happened. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Guys. That's that was that was a great bad chat. I really enjoyed that. I think that team would do well. Be fair, well, on one side of the ball anyway. Maybe right. next week we can talk about the defensive side of the ball. But uh, who, who Craig Levine's going to be coaching? <laughs> 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 Good luck to St. Johnson the rest of the season as I suppose. So. You think well the Scotland Chargers? Is that the the issue? We all offense, no defense. That's, That's that. that. <laughs> so the Real as long as you score more in the opposition, it doesn't matter. Very true, mate. Very true. Right, guys, let's go on with the games. Let's go on with the games. So this week we're going to start with Thursday Night Football. It's very unusual to start with Thursday Night Football because this season Thursday Night Football has been an absolute shambles. There's been nothing decent. So this week they've given us arguably the most on-fire wide receiver in the league. At home, a Seahawks team that are just about keeping themselves relevant in the playoffs. Stu, I'm giving you the platform to talk about your favourite wide receiver. Take it away. Here we are to talk about DK Metcalf. I mean, no, CD Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I do like DK Metcalf, don't, don't get me wrong there. But um, yeah, no, looking at this game on paper, like you've got two teams that are first glance looking at it, 
you've got two teams that are obviously in the playoffs. Dallas are absolutely rolling. Like they've been kind of very, very good since that like loss to the Niners earlier in the season. Like since then, they've just they've kind of caught fire. And then on the other side, you've got the Seahawks, who they're occupying that last wildcard spot. And they've kind of been going the other way because it's like they started the season looking pretty good and everything seemed to be where it was last season. Gino was doing his thing, keeping them ticking over. They had the, the one-two punch or the one-A, one kind of maybe one-A to two-A punch of uh, Walker and Charbonnet running back. And the defence was going really, really well. But over the past past few weeks, it's like the Seahawks have really started to fall off. And now they're sitting six and five and... There's a few teams starting to nip at their heels, so it's it's kind of it's intriguing because you know you're basically looking at these two teams and going, well, they both seem to be going in different directions, but they're both in the playoffs um, to start with. Uh, the Cowboys, like I say, they've now they've won three games in a row uh, and they're absolutely rolling. I don't think there is a team that offensively have really been as good. You know, and you've got some good offensive teams in the league, but the Cowboys are absolutely blowing everybody out, and you might say they're doing it against. Yeah. You know, middling to mediocre teams, but it doesn't matter. You have to have to beat what's in front of you, and the Cowboys are one hundred percent doing that. Like in those three games, or like um, Dak, uh, the quarterback with Dak Prescott, he is the at least by PFF's measure is the highest graded quarterback in the league by miles. He's displaced my favourite uh, Jake Browning, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. He's displaced Brock Purdy, like at the top of the quarterback rankings. I get Purdy's been injured, but and he's been coming. You know, he's obviously looked good since he came back. He had that perfect game, but Dak yeah. has been so consistent and so good. And then, like you say, CD Lamb, like what's he up to now? Like in in terms of ranking, and over the last four games, I think he's got the most yards in those four games. Yeah, uh, already well over a thousand. Where is he in overall rankings in the league? I know Tyreek's going to be still miles ahead of him, but he's really catching up. He's third. 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 He's got 1,066. 1,066 in the league. So it's yeah. like he's been absolutely lighting it up. So him and Dak seem to be connecting. Uh, and it's all going well right at the right time because we're now heading down towards that crunch part of the season. Um, Is that a wee Battle of Hastings reference, Dan? You just let you chuck in there because it's St Andrew's Day. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I was going to say it once Stuart was finished. There's a chance of that. <laughs> That's well, it's, it's good that we're getting that out there. It's uh, it's all uh, it's all coming together. And, it's <laughs> but, no, like I mean, overall. <laughs> but yeah, just just talking about that though, when I was saying there about them beating the kind of middling teams, like I was just pulling up my my stats there. Like in those last four wins, uh, you've won by 35, 23, 32 and twenty three points. So you have been absolutely. You know, just blowing the arse out of teams, if I can put it that way. <laughs> so no, you, de- you definitely, you're absolutely spot on, Stu. I, I think the only question mark I would have over the Cowboys, just looking at the games that they have lost, where they've been playing against, like the loss to Philadelphia, the loss to the 49ers, those those stronger teams. That's where the question mark comes in because we know what happens to the Cowboys when it comes to the playoffs. We know what they've done in the past, they've done this before, they've looked brilliant during the, the regular season, and then the bottle goes. So that's yeah. going to be, when it comes to the business end of the season, can they can they show this same form? Can they, um, like Dak and, and Lamb, have been phenomenal, absolutely brilliant. But yeah, yeah. 
it's, it's, it's whether it's going to be the same old story. Yeah, I mean, I guess looking at it like over the, you know, if we're doing the head to head thing though, before we get into all the details and the positions and everything, but mm. looking at the head to heads, the Seahawks have actually, they're up three to two in the last five meetings. And obviously, I realize some mm. of that goes back to days when Dak was maybe injured and out and the Cowboys were running backups in there. But they do have, have that. And they've obviously got the experience and everything as well. And uh, Pete Carroll is, you know, he's obviously been a top coach in the league for years. And for what, maybe the last three years, we've been trying to say that, oh, the Seahawks should be done. They should be dropping off. And mm. you seem to be that team that kind of, they hang around and get it done, like regardless of what's going on in the lineups. Yep. But, I mean, like I say, in the last few games, they've really, they've really kind of not looked as sea hockey. I guess is <laughs> no. how we would expect them to look, and it's especially been on the defensive side of the ball. Like they they've just been giving things up, and even with those cornerbacks that were supposed to be, you know, they're big guys, they're pretty tall. Uh, Dak was talking about. I was watching an interview with him for yesterday, and that was one of the things he was keying in on was like. They have some big bodies in there, so my windows are going to be a lot tighter. I'm going to, need to watch where I'm placing it. But to be honest, like right now, for what I've seen with him, uh, CD Lamb, it just seems to be as long as he puts it in the area, CD Lamb, CD's going to come out with the ball. Uh, Ferguson's been playing fantastic as well, so that's another, you know, you've got another target there that can go after it. Cooks has looked a lot better. He seems to now be fitting into that system well as well. So that's another kind of pressure release valve he can use if he can't yeah. get the ball to CD. So I know it's offensively, it's stacking up well for the, the Cowboys. The other side of it is the, the Seahawks defence. Not only are cornerbacks starting to kind of look a bit, a bit more ragged, their uh, run mm-hmm. defence, I think after the first uh, like four or five games of the season, they were one of the top rundies in the league, and they were top five. Since then, they've dropped to 29th. Uh, so this is also another game where Pollard, who's been looking better for the Cowboys as well, he could maybe yeah. go back through because the, the Seahawks just seem to be really struggling to stop the run now as well. So it's, uh, they're giving up big yards there. So we'll see see what happens, but it's, it's on paper for me. This is looking... Very, uh, you know, the bookies are saying more than seven points to Dallas. Uh, um, can I say it's looking? I can see why they're saying that basically. <laughs> yeah, do you think, uh, Stu Jink, maybe Darren Bland's worth putting a wee wager on another pick six? Mm-hmm. What, I mean, yeah, I mentioned him yet. You know, you've got him and he's just broke the record, Dan. And I did, I did see it on the, I did see it on here. No, I wasn't on here last week, it was on yeah. the meet East on the Thanksgiving kind of thing in between the games. Ah, you called it. How important Thanksgiving is to the Cowboys. If I had to do it on Thanksgiving, would be amazing. And then fast forward an hour or so later, and there he is. Yeah. Running it back yeah. like a running back stroke wide receiver. You would have thought he's a DB that he was making the cuts. <laughs> that zone. was brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, you go, the, yeah. no, just seems to be, he just seems to be so keyed in right now as well. It's almost yeah. like he... Like, I realise, obviously, you want that for your defensive backs because, I mean, it's like, when you look at him, it's like, well, how many guys would you say are better than him in the league? It's like, well, I know you can maybe make an argument for a guy we'll talk about later on in um, Sartain because uh, we're going to be talking the Broncos game, so I imagine he's going to come up. Uh, spoilers there, folks. Um, but, you know, just in terms of overall output, it's like, I know Bland's maybe in a better defence than Sartain, um, but... You know, the guy's doing it. He's getting pick sixes all the time. It's like it's one thing to have interceptions or to be breaking up passes and everything. It's the fact that the guy seems to be able to know where to be and when to step up 
to pick yeah. off guys and then take it to the house. It's like he, he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's, I mean, you get you get cornerbacks who are locked in corners who will you, you just kind of get the ball past them. They'll, 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 like you say, they'll just stop the guy getting the ball or they'll just you know, throw it away. Or yeah. you get interceptions where the ball's been overthrown or, or you just make it. But he just seems to make a great play. He just steps yeah. in front of the ball. He just seems to read exactly what's about to happen, which I mean, for a cornerback is exactly what you need. But it just seems to be doing it at a level that I've never seen in terms of that reading the, where the ball is going and then just happens to have an open field in front of himself most of the time to then run it back. Do you know what I mean? And where are we, week 13? And he's, he's already broke the record. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's going to do it every week for the next week, but he could set a record this season that we could no, potentially... You've yeah. never seen beaten or not... For a, it's going to stand for a long, long time because yeah. you have him another two or three and suddenly you're like, is anybody ever going to get eight picks six season a season ever again? Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, um, on, on, that, on that side of the ball, who else are you liking for the Cowboys defense? I mean, obviously Parsons. Uh, he's in the the argument for defensive player of the year. Which, to be honest, we just spoke about Bland there. I I seriously don't understand why Bland has not been at least mentioned. I, I realize it's it's kind of traditionally a defensive lineman that um, or defensive end, like or something. You know, somebody that's going after the quarterback because it's obviously the, one of the hardest jobs in football is or most important jobs in football is stopping the opposition's quarterback at the source. Um, but I find it absolutely bizarre that Bland is not being spoken about more in that mm-hmm. argument for defensive player of the year. However, uh, Parsons is also having an absolutely fantastic year. So you've got another guy that's uh, up, you know, is definitely in the running for the defensive player. And like we were saying there with the Seahawks, it's like things seem to be kind of breaking down a bit for them. Um on both sides of the ball, whether it's the offensive line and the defensive line, stopping the run game. So I do worry for Geno Smith in this game. Yeah. So you've got, well, if he's throwing it, he's going to need to watch he's not putting it near Bland because uh, he's going to intercept it. And then at the same time, it's like, well, if he's busy trying to avoid Bland, he's maybe going to be taking longer to get the ball out whilst he's kind of lining up where he's going to be throwing it. And then all of a sudden Parsons is after him. So it's, yeah. it's, uh... I mean, there's a lot of players on that offensive line that I think are getting... Obviously, Parsons gets all the all the credit, but the fact that he's getting covered or double teamed, there's players like Sam Williams. He's yeah. worked with some big players this season. I think Zuba again coming up with some big players. One player that's kind of he's not he's obviously I don't know about why, but Demarcus Lawrence doesn't seem to be getting as much in terms of sacks and stuff. I said, I actually pulled up his stats. I've actually done that before I started chatting about this. But he was yeah. a guy that was always sack leader for the Cowboys. It was always Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, uh, where are we at? Uh, sacks, he's got four, so I'm saying he's not got that many. He's got four. Four's uh, the, I mean, that's the thing is like, okay, four, four's not 13 and a half or 13 or whatever, but like, no, I'm not league leaders, but uh, he, you know, he's still, he's still chipping in, and I think he's maybe also just one of those guys that I bet he feels great about his game because it's like the defense as a whole are playing amazing, and he's obviously a big part of why it is, or he's still a part of why that defence is so good. So it's one of those things where like there's only I know you can have joint sacks, but there's only yeah. so many folks who get sacked. So if he's doing enough to kinda of end up with Parsons, be able to get slightly freer to get in there and hit him or, you know, get the yeah. quarterback hits like the guy's still doing his job, but it's just maybe his role slightly changed as time has passed. But yeah. So I, I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel too uh, too bad about him, Dan. That's what I'm trying to no, say. No. <laughs> no, I'm not I mean I've just looked there. We've got thirty six sacks this season so far. 
just pulling up there. I think it's over. The other one, it's got is Dorrance uh, Armstrong's another one. It's, he's got five sacks. So, like you said, everybody's chipping in in that offensive line. Dunny Flyle's got two. He's kind of played more linebacker this year, and he's yeah. still got two and a half sacks. So, everybody's chipping in, which, which is good. So, flipping over to the Seahawks then, Craig, what's what's your thoughts on how their season's going? I think Stu mentioned it. You know, it's been very up and down. They've, they've struggled to find consistency. Um, there have been highlights, um, and we would certainly say guys like their, their cornerback uh, Devon Witherspoon's been a particular highlight in his rookie season. He's played really, really well. Um, he was, I think, yeah, fifth, fifth overall pick, um, and he's he's been tremendous. Uh, he's fourth in the league with passes defended, leads all cornerbacks in sacks. Um, first player with 14 passes defended. He's been absolutely tremendous and a, and a huge highlight for them. Um, he's definitely going to have his work cut out in this game. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I think the Cowboys um, are going to be yeah, a, a really difficult team for him to, to be up against. Um, but yeah, from the Seahawks' perspective, what else can they maybe do to try and yeah, get anything out of this game? It's, it's a difficult one. Actually, just looking at their stats... Getting like getting on the field and staying on the field. Um, in terms of time of possession per game, they are thirty first in the league. They are pretty much um, struggling to get their offense on the on the field. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be a difficult task for that reason. So they're going to have to work work particularly hard on, on that front. Um, not going to be an easy task at all uh, because yeah, they're, they're very middle of the road in, in a lot of their stats. Um, there, there's nothing that's really jumping out, and that's I think that's the big problem uh, that they've got. Like they do have they do have talent there, um, but they've they've also had players coming in and out of the team with injury as well. So um, maybe maybe that's another thing where if they can get all their wide receivers all being fit, you know, Metcalf, Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba all. All playing together consistently, then maybe that's going to be able to help Gino out a little bit. Um, yeah, but I, I think there's still a work in progress. That's that's the big takeaway for the Seahawks this season. Very much, very much the case. Yeah, I, I think also like as much because uh, I'm obviously I, I kind of I have a few shares of uh, Charbonnet in different leagues. I've yeah. been waiting for him to get this opportunity as the starting running back. Just to, unfortunately, it came last week against the Niners where he didn't really, he wasn't really able to do all that much. And uh, this week he's playing Dallas, so it's going to be hard for him too. But I, th- I think that's another yeah. like Walker being out is a huge loss for the Seahawks as well because I think having those two running backs, although Charbonnet was playing less or seeing mm. less of the ball um, than Walker they were both performing pretty well. They were kind of earning yards above what they should. Um, if you looked at it going into the game, uh, but or going into games, but until last week, and I realise it's against the Niners, and Charbonnet just, his efficiency just plummeted. So I'll be starting them tonight still, yeah. but uh, I'm not, I'm kind of, I'm not too hopeful that he's going to be putting up big, big numbers uh, on that side of things um, mm. as well. Just so uh, back. Sorry, or I was just going to say for the night or for the Seahawks, I do think the the only way they're going to be able to really get some success here is probably hoping that the defense can start clicking again and start to do what they did earlier in the season to a few of the teams because that's yeah. what's keeping them. Or that was what was keeping yeah. them in games and giving them that chance to win before. It's much as right. You, you, you mentioned them as well. Sorry, no. I was just going to say you mentioned as well. Like yes, at the moment they are. They're on that bubble kind of in the mix, but their next three games, they're at the Cowboys, 
then they're at the 49ers, then they're playing the Eagles. I mean, that is like three probably of the toughest games you can possibly have. Um, you know, the, 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 from a playoff point of view, are, are they going to come out of these three games with, with a win in any of them? Like, do we do we think that's going to be a possibility? Well, probably not, sorry to say. Uh, and, and that's going to be a, you know, a big factor in what, you know, what they're going to be doing towards the end of the season. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a big, big game from that point of view. I think, I think though, they are really going to struggle. So just going back to Keith's asking his, our opinion on how far can the Cow- uh, Cowboys, how far can the Seahawks go with Geno Smith and when do they decide to move on from him? Because it's not really working anymore, is it? I mean, for me, I still think, like, obviously you see out this year, um, but yeah. maybe it comes down to, like, even next season, I could see them still starting the season with it. It depends, like, where they end up falling in the draft and whether there's any of those kind of high-end quarterbacks that we know are coming mm-hmm. in the 2024 draft landing to where they are. I can't see them going out and spending big money on somebody like, you know, let's use an example here, like if Derek Carr comes free in free agency or Jimmy G, because it's going to be players like that. Like, or yeah. you know, maybe they go out and try and get a Dobbs or something like that if he doesn't stay with it. You know what I mean? Like he, he's been looking after, after that game, you can you can have him. Uh, <laughs> well, it's that thing of like, are any of those players that I named there that are going to be coming free, are they a better option than Geno Smith? I would say no. So no. like we I think the Seahawks are they may as well ride with him for the next couple of years and, and see where he goes. And even if they draft a rookie and have him help train him up, which I think was always the the plan anyway. Um, so, I mean, who did they have as their... Did they not draft somebody this year or did I imagine that? Because I, um, I thought they had somebody that was a... Potentially. Yeah, because I thought they had somebody that's... Uh, you know, he was a rookie that he, he wasn't expected to start in the NFL, but he was like meant to be kind of fairly touted. Unless I'm thinking of Hooker, who's at Detroit, which I might be. But, um, yeah, but yeah, anywho, like, to me, I think Geno Smith is... They may as well lock them in for the next couple of years and like kind of see how they go. Whether DK yeah. Metcalf gets pissed off and leaves, that's, <laughs> I guess that's the the downside. You don't you want to keep him happy because he's kind of your your main guy. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Um, so? just, just looking through the twenty twenty three draft stats. Uh, no, not in the not in the. F- well, I think that's that's probably the yeah, yeah. the plan. That's probably the plan for this offseason then is yeah. look at the draft, see who they can get. And I doubt that they go with somebody. I don't think they're going to get somebody that's plug and play and, you know, able to come in and be a starter. So to me, I think Gino is still mm-hmm. the starter next season. And there's nothing really wrong with that. It's it's just uh, you have to wait till you get that guy. Like The same way the Bengals yeah. did the bottle. Like, we had to wait. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not going to be picking particularly high up the draft to go in their current record either. So, no. Unless someone maybe doesn't, I'm not saying somebody falls, unless they decide to pick up a quarterback that's not within that top 10, 15. So, there's probably, there is a, this is a good draft mm-hmm. for quarterback. So it depends on who falls to where they're at. They might, could they move up? I mean, they're obviously not going to get a Caleb Williams or a Bo Nix or anybody like that, yeah. but they could potentially get that next level of QB that they can develop. Um, mm-hmm. been, we've seen plenty of QBs that have not been picked in the top 10 going to be successful so the chance is they're from if they can get the right draft pick if that's a bit decided to go I suppose right. 
if, if Gino really struggles like over this stretch, say particularly these three games and towards the, the, the end of the season, and they do start to to work their way up uh, in terms of the, the 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 draft order, yeah, there, there might you might see a little bit more desperation moves. They might you know try and trade up even higher. Um, that's that'll be something to to keep an eye on certainly. Um, but I think I think. You're right. I think they would likely start with Gino next season and, and try and pick a prospect that they can spend some time with and get, get to know the system a little bit better um, rather than just throwing them in immediately. But if, if they do struggle over you know, this stretch and yeah, by the end of the season, it's, it's, it's amazing how these kind of things make, make an owner panic a little bit. Yeah. Right, now let's get to predictions. Stu, start yourself. You kicked us off in this game, so give us your predictions. Oh, well, I think, you know, it's probably you've been able to work it out from the tone of the way I was talking about the game in general. And uh, I'm going to say, I think the Cowboys and they're going to extend their winning streak or the home winning streak. Because uh, right now they're sitting on 13 games, which is the longest active yeah. in the league. Uh, I think they're going to extend it to 14. What's your prediction for the score? Or- I do yeah, think I mean, the bookies are saying more than one score, but to be honest, like you've won your last four by more than four four scores, and you've done it against mediocre teams, and we have just described the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> as a mediocre team. So mm. I think it's going to be at least two scores. I'm going to say seventeen points, mm. seventeen points plus. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very similar story to the the game they just lost against the the Forty Niners. I think it's going to be that that kind of scoreline. Yeah, that was thirty one thirteen. I'm I'm going for similar. Certainly, yeah, going for going for Dallas a uh, couple of scores. Yeah, I, I'm obviously going to go Cowboys. I think the our offense at the moment, Stu, the way you've you've said is 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 playing lights out football. I, I can see us putting up a lot. of Points, it's just how many they can then re- reply with. I-, I reckon we're going to score at least 40, but whatever Seahawks put up to kind of against that is where the-, the margins are going to be. But yeah, I think we're going to have another 40 plus game this week. One last one last question on this, Dan. Okay. Do you think that Dak, because we're saying that uh, obviously going by the score, I mean, I know my answer to this because I've already said I think they're going to win by more than two scores and they're going to score pretty high. So I imagine that Dak is going to be throwing touchdowns. Do you think he is going to match his own career record of uh, six games in a row, throwing at least two touchdowns in a yeah, game? Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I mean, the weapons that he's got, we mentioned at the start, C.D. Lamb, we don't talk about it. But you mentioned someone who I've been really impressed over the last few weeks, and that's Cooks. Yeah. He, I, I think I said the last week before, he's just, he's, not that he's appeared out of nowhere, but that's a bit unfair on him, but he really has. He has literally he's been kind of getting the catches here and there. Over the last couple of weeks, he's became a very uh, high percentage target for Dak Prescott over the last, and he's now yeah, showing yeah. himself as a as a WR two in our team. Whereas before, he kind of mm-hmm. middle in the middle, but he definitely is. So the two of them, Ferguson's playing well. Even Shoemaker's starting like a couple of touchdowns now as well. Yeah, no, that's good to see. Cause I have him in Dynasty sitting in my squad, <laughs> so I'm like, that's good for the future. Because <laughs> um, so I, I, I think he'll throw for more than two. I mean. It depends how much running we do as well. Obviously, dragging us on here, but Rico Dowdell is coming into a game as well in terms of on the ground as well. So I think to answer your question in one more, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will make this one really short. Now, the second part to this question is, do you think, think looking at your schedule moving ahead, can he break the franchise record, which is set in seven games, uh, which was set by Tony Romo? Right, I have mm. 
signed. I have moved away from my schedule. Who have we got? Oof. Seattle, Philly, Oof. Buffalo, Miami. Oof, tough games. Yeah. Tough yeah. Seven, seven in a row, those two. Yeah, seven, seven games in a row with at least two touchdown passes. So, like, to, to break Tony Roma's record, you need to do it in the next, well, tonight and then the next two weeks. It's Philly next week. So, I mean, that's. I you mean, you it then. <laughs> no, you can, still, you can still throw for two touchdowns. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I did have a split in the series with the, the Eagles. I'd say that right at the start of the season, I think we would split with the Eagles. So I'm going to say yes. The Bills, we've covered them enough to say what the Bills have happened with them. So, yeah, I, I think I think you could do it in the, in the, the remaining games for the season. Dan, I don't, I don't want to put a curse on this, right? But oh, just interestingly, right? Dallas are about to play five teams that have got a 0.5 record or better, right? Yes. You've got Seattle, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Miami and Detroit. And so far, you are 8-1 against sub-0.5 teams. And you're own two against teams that are over 0.5. So, what well, those teams that are over 0.5 are the Eagles and the 49ers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. which we did, yeah, did mention that earlier on. That's that's the thing. Does your record flatter the flat? Does it flatter the Cowboys I a mean, wee bit? Maybe I it does. I just, I, I will say that um, it does show you you've lost to the two teams that I would say are the, I mean, it's about no offense to the Detroit Lions. Uh, all the Vikings. Um, I would say that the Niners and the Eagles are clearly the cream of the crop. Yeah. Oh, aye. 100%. In this conference and possibly in the league, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. So. yeah. I think ne- next week's huge. Uh, obviously, obviously, that's fucking a, a daft statement to make, but if we can beat the Eagles next week to show, wait a minute, we can win these games. If we go 0-3 against the Eagles and the 49ers, it just gives us that whole can he beat the big teams type mentality, which we've been known for the last couple of years. If we yeah. can go and beat the Eagles next week, I think that changes the narrative. I don't think I don't think we're going to catch them in terms of winning the division. I think that's now gone, barring some yeah. sort of freak results. But if we can beat the Eagles next week, it will change the narrative. And I, and I think that we need to do that, especially at home. Especially at home against them. Yeah. Right, let's move on, because uh, I can say you're talking about the Cowboys on a but Keith would battle me. Where's my script going? I've lost my script. Uh, right, so next up, I've got a team that's really turned its season around versus what I would say, and probably I think that's a universal opinion across most of the crew, is the most informed quarterback and wide receiver duo in the league right now. So we've got the Broncos at the Texans. Craig, kick us off on this one. Well, I like you said, Dan, we've, we've got a team that's started to find its mojo like at last. Uh, it, it, it's weird. It doesn't seem that long ago You know, we were talking about um, a team that started one in five, they were on the receiving end of a seventy-point doing by the Miami Dolphins, uh, like a truly, absolutely abysmal start to the season. And then you fast forward to now, and they've now gone on this brilliant um, winning streak, um, and they've conceded fewer touchdowns over the past five games than they did in one entire game against Miami. So, like, <laughs> defensively, they've actually woken up. Um, I, start, I, I thought that stat was just absolutely yeah. mind-boggling. Five, in five games, they've conceded less touchdowns. Nine touchdowns in those five games compared to ten in the one game <laughs> against Miami. Um, but they've, yeah, I think in the in the last five games, you've really seen this massive turnaround. And when you dig into some of the stats... They've they've got a league high twenty two takeaways, including fifteen in the last four games. Like that's absolutely massive, a huge 
huge reason why the Denver Broncos have, have improved so much. They are a really, really tough side, tough defense to play against. Um, I watched the you know the Vikes game against the Broncos a, a couple of weeks ago when we at that point we were also on a on a decent winning streak and the, and the Broncos broke that and they've kept going since then they've kept building on that um, so yeah they they are they're absolutely going to be um, a, a team to watch and it's a massive massive week for them um, I was looking at another stat PFF's got the Denver Broncos if they can win this game they've got a sixty four percent chance of making the playoffs. If they lose this game, it falls to just 21%. So huge, huge implications from that point of view. If they can get a win against the Texans, um, we've given the Texans, and rightly so, given them a lot of love on this pod over the past few weeks because they are one of the best teams to watch. Uh, they're so entertaining. But yeah, Denver have, have to get massive credit. Um you mentioned guys like, uh, sorry, um, I was just going to say, you mentioned guys like Subtain, like guys like that on, on, on this Denver Broncos team that, that have um, have really stood out. Yeah, the, the defence has been excellent. Yes, yeah, so looking at the last, so obviously they've now won five in a row, right, which is impressive enough, but it's the teams that they've beaten that five run. So they beat Green Bay, which we're not kind of 50-50 with Green Bay. They beat the Chiefs, they beat the, the Bills, they beat the Vikings, and they beat the Browns. That's four teams that I'm not saying they're all excellent. But that's four teams that have been having a good season. So it's not as if they've just won five games against teams that they probably should be beating. They've beat teams that they were basically written off against. Them. What's what? What's the turnaround been for the Broncos? What what's happened to make them now be where they are? I honestly think that probably that Miami game was a real rude like awakening for them, and it's. Mm. They they've just been kind of sat in a, a slumber like all last season. Like they were, you know, it was that whole like we were all making the jokes about the let's ride Russell Wilson and everything. And then heading into this yeah. season, John Payton and everything was made to turn around. And obviously, it takes a bit for teams to kind of get going. And you, there's always that rule where you don't really know what a team is until after week four, kind of thing. You mm. can kind of see what they are then. And you know, with the um, with them, it was the. They got to that stage and we all thought we knew what they were, but turns out with the Broncos, you actually needed to fast forward another couple of weeks to basically week six to when they started winning games. And I think yeah. it was probably that game it embarrassed them so much. And they have a bunch of guys in that team that they're all winners and they're all proud. So you've got Sertain, who was said is one of the best DBs in the league. Then you've got guys like, obviously, Russell Wilson, the guy's won a Super Bowl. And I know we all joke about him and his attitude sometimes, but... There seems to be none of the. We've talked about this too in the pod, but there seems to be none of the drama anymore. He's not appearing in the press saying anything. <laughs> All the stuff from uh, uh, what's his head, uh, Judy, as well. Yep. Like, he was going into the press and talking things about like talking smack, kind of like that, like trying to big himself up. All that's disappeared as well, and he seems to just be getting on with his, his role. And you know, Tron Payton's working him into the games in different ways because it's not even. I've seen him taking a load of jet sweeps and stuff because the guy is rapid. Uh, <laughs> Sutton, like he's been absolutely massive for them as yeah. well. He just seems to be a dependable target now for Russell Wilson, like where he can, he knows he's a big body, he's going to get up there. Uh, and he, you know, a lot of times he's just going to put the ball into areas and hope he can make the, you know, it's almost like a, I'm going to put it there where I think only he can catch it and Sutton's probably going to get the ball. Like, I know he never held one at the weekend or whatever, and it kind of made it a little bit more dramatic at the end there for the. Uh, for the Broncos, um, but it's still the fact that Russell Wilson's trusting him and he's going on. The other side is the run game 
now seems to now that Williams is back healthy, that seems to be working because uh, he looks better. And Perrine, they've also been really able to lean on him and just say, you know what, just take the ball and just drive forward, just go in a straight line and just bowling ball, and he's yeah. been doing that really well. So they've actually been able to run the ball. So all of a sudden, you've got the defense is picked up, and the offense, it's maybe not pretty or like tricky play action or like watch Russ cook in terms of what you maybe saw when Russ was a bit younger and there was all the like mm. plays and running around like a maniac and then throwing yeah. a 60 yard bomb over down the field. We've really seen that so much, but what's happening instead is they're just, they've been really smart about what they're doing and it might be simpler, but it's, it's working for them and it's getting them in the field and it's eating clock. And, and that's what I think they're getting better at. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, you've, you've got to, I think, give give credit where it's due to Sean Payton as well, because from a from a mental standpoint, like from a confidence standpoint as well, after that horrendous start to the season, it would have been so easy to just go in a full-blown tank mode for the heads to go down. And a lot of coaches probably wouldn't have managed to come back from that. Um, and a lot of teams we've seen that have had horrific starts that have gone, you know, on sixteen in the past or you know, on seventeen now. But I think that's that's I say a lot of credit you've got to give to the coaching staff and the team actually. But to to turn that around to now be in a place where we're actually talking about the Denver Broncos as possibly being in with a shout at making the playoffs is is nothing short of remarkable. I think it really is. So just wild, absolutely wild how, how things can change in, in just a, a matter of a few weeks in the NFL. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, as much as they are just slightly in the bubble for the playoffs at the moment, they're literally one game back. Uh-huh. I mean, the, Bill, the Bills are 6-6, six and six, the Steelers are 7-4, and four, the Colts are 6-5, and five, and they're 6-5. and five. So it's not uh-huh. as if it's, oh, they've maybe got a chance of the playoffs. They are literally right in the uh-huh. playoff picture. Yeah. But that, that, that's that's where this game against the Texans is so massive, and that's I said that PFF start I was bringing up earlier on. It's it's huge for them because then after that they're at the Chargers, then they're at Detroit, so not not going to be easy in both of those. And then last three they've got New England Chargers again, and then they're at the Raiders for the for the last game of the, the regular season. So yeah, a, a mix of mix yeah. of tough games in there. Yeah. Some of them are some of those are winnable, but um, yeah. what I would, you're right though. Like what I would say is this game is probably key to because they're kind of playing against each other yeah. for one of the playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Like let's face it, kind of thing. It's like they, yeah. they are fighting out here. Whoever wins is you know like you said the probability was sixty four percent or thirty six. Kind of thing is direct like directly those odds like are directly proportional in terms of taking away or giving it. Um, yeah. I will say though, like on the other side, though the Bills, they suffered a massive mental blow last week, so they're going to be a lot shaky going in, and they have some hard, hard games kind of moving forward. So they might be falling out of it a little bit. You know who knows? Every time we write the Bills off, though, they win, and then every time we say they're doing well, they lose. So I, I, I hesitate to comment on them too much. Um, the Cleveland Browns, they've lost their quarterbacks again. It sounds like they might be stuck Joe Flacco. This week, so they're another team that I can see. Yeah, the record's better than both the Texans and the, yeah. the Broncos right now, but I could see there's a world where both these teams end up finishing ahead of the Cleveland Browns by the end of the year. Yeah, Aye, it's absolutely possible. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent possible. Definitely. 
this is what we basically what we would call in soccer a real six pointer into this. That's what this kind of game is. It's like as a proper as a six pointer, no matter what way. I mean, to get to this stage and be playing directly a team against you at the sort of against you in the playoffs is it's a tough spot yeah. to be in. Um obviously we might we mentioned uh Pat Sartain on, on the D for the Broncos. Uh Stu, who else have they got in that D that's that's kind of holding them together? Oh, eh, I need to cool that up. My brain's went blank. <laughs> Smudger, <laughs> no, I'm just. Um, uh, my brain was jumping Texans there because I've they spoke them. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, you guys like uh, Alex Singleton just looking yeah. at like um, players whose who's stats in terms of the number of tackles that they've, they've been putting in. He's uh, like head and shoulders above the, the, the rest of that defense. Um, looking at the, the, the sack there, Nick, Nick Benito as well. Uh, yeah, there's some, there's some huge um, defensive players for for Denver that they're, they're going to have to yeah rely on uh, a lot in this game. Like I say, you don't want them, you don't want to be working, uh, you don't want to be working them too hard um, and and getting to a point where you're, they're, they're absolutely blown out their ass. So uh, that, that they're going to yeah be struggling against them. say we've talked about the, the Texans, how good that Texans side are. We've we've seen how how great Stroud and uh, Tang Dell are, how how well they connect together. Um, they are going to be, uh, to you know, th- th- that connection that they've got, uh, they're going to be, uh, I-, I imagine, putting up a lot of points against this Denver defence. Yeah. I mean, as you said, we've kind of focused more on the, the Broncos tonight because we have spoke a lot Aye. about the Texans on here, so I don't <laughs> want to get too much depth with them. But yeah, we, need to, we, we need to talk about that combination of, of Stroud and Tank Dell. That is just becoming absolutely... Different level into Stu. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, I guess on the Tank Dell side, we should probably mention that there's been good news on that front because he was carrying yeah. a, a bit of a knock. That's right. right. Yeah. I saw that he, he's been, uh, I think he was a full participant, or at least he was yeah. practicing anyway. So it sounds like there's there's no chance he's missing the game for them. So that, that Stroud-Dell uh, connection can continue because it seems to be every single week uh, there's a highlight real, a kind of a highlight real play from the two of them together, and yeah. um, it's definitely like it's up there with like the the Burrow and the Chase or the the Cousins and the Jeffersons in terms of like Aye. top QB and WR pairing. I'm, I'm going to put Cousins up there just to annoy people. But you know, what I mean? well, if you're a dynasty owner and you've got Stroud and Dell, you're absolutely laughing at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> just looking at, um, so I'm just going to look at the top three receivers uh, just briefly. So. So look at so the actual top receiver in terms of stats at the moment is still Nico Collins. He's just touched yeah. he's got eight eight hundred yards at the moment, so, but he's averaging sixteen yards a catch. Right, this is what's this is why I'm looking at this right. So one race receiver is averaging sixteen yards a catch. Tank Dell is averaging fifteen point one yards a catch. Right? <laughs> Noah Brown averaging twenty one yards a catch. Granted, as only on twenty catches, right? Anyway, Dalton Schultz eleven yards a catch. Bobby Trees, eleven yards a catch. So they're they're Bobby Trees are all averaging at least ten yards a catch. That's a ridiculous yeah. stat. It's it's absolutely nuts. But it's also kind of funny when you think that it's actually kind of as much as we talk about how good they are. It did take them a while to start being able to break twenty points a game. Is mm-hmm. the one maybe down point on that? Uh, also, I probably should mention it sounds like Schultz is probably going to miss this game. Yeah, yeah, so it's bad news to the good news of Dale being in. Um, but that just basically kind of opens the door for Bobby Trees to kind of take more of that kind of 
taller man. He's not Dalton Schultz, um, but you know the kind of taller man receiver kind of role. Uh, so he might see an uptick production yeah. this week. Um, but yeah, yeah no, the, the, the fact that they're able to move the ball so well and Stroud is able to kind of get it to them, and they're, whether it's like just so far down the field when they make the catches because of they've managed to get that, in the roots. I think that is what it is after the catch. Um, as well, it's like they're they're all chipping in, whether it's Stroud or the receivers doing their part too. Yeah, they're, they're average across the season. They're averaging seven point seven yards per thrown per play. That's third in the league. I've not actually got the full week stats up, but they're number two in total pass yards per game as well. I mean, so the their offense is is really final cylinders. Where they are struggling those on the ground, they're twenty ninth in the league. In yeah, point seven. Yeah, the running game yeah. is really struggle. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, um, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously we spoke a lot about the Texans, so I don't want to kind of cover them too much because people will be getting bored as talking about them. They're becoming the new Detroit Lions in the, on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, though, is like they're exci- it's a good story and they're exciting to watch yeah. and it's a young quarterback. That's 100%. That's, 100%. Like, he, 100%. I'd say he's, he's pretty much already, they may as well, like, put his name in the trophy for offensive rookie of the year. Like, oh. they may as well do it because, I mean, there's nobody that's going to beat like Tank Dale. I mean, Stroud's the guy that's chopping on the ball. So, See, there's a question: is he, is he in for the Rookie of the Year or is he in the MVP chat? Sure. You know what I mean, so I mean, he's a, a shoe in for Rookie. Let's be honest. He's but, he's oh, rookie. I don't know if he gets the MVP. Mm-hmm. Studs will hate me for this because I've, I've been kind of saying it to wind him up, but I'm also being serious. On the other hand, I do think that Russell Wilson deserves some shout. I don't think he'll win it, but. I think he deserves a shout for MVP because since, you know, even early on before they got beat by Miami, he was looking good and he seemed to be one of the things that was driving Denver forward. And I think if you take him out of that system, as much as I'm saying they've simplified it and everything, and he's maybe not cooking the way he once did, um, he's still, it's like, you know, when your grand's cooking the, the eggs at the weekend, it's like she's still got it. Kind of thing. So, <laughs> I don't know. I put, put Russell Wilson in that argument as well. But to be fair, to use your analogy there, if your grand can't make it, you're bringing in your grandpa who's Jarrett Stidham to try and run that offense, so you know it's going to go downhill for you there. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, let's let's get predictions in. Uh, Craig, where's this one going? I'm still leaning towards the Texans, I've got to say. Um it's, it's a nice story, this Denver turnaround, don't get me wrong. Um, always love a, an underdog story in the NFL, but I just think the Texans are going to be too strong. Um, so, yeah, I'm going for a Texans winning this. Uh, maybe not by a massive margin, because we've talked about how this Denver defence has really stepped up, but I'm still going, uh, I'm going win by a score, Texans. Stuart? I was. I want to see this one. I think really. I found it really hard. I've been going back and forth with this, even as we've been talking about it. And I think I'm going to say to avoid the kiss of death. I'm going to say the Broncos. But my head is saying it's probably still going to be the. Maybe my heart as well is saying it's probably going to be the Texans, just because as good as the Broncos' defense has been. I do worry about... I know they have Sartain and we talk, we've talked about how amazing he is. I do worry about their defence being able to stop the ball going... Because, I mean, Sartain, let's say he takes away Tank Dell. Yeah. There's other guys there, like Collins and that, that are going to be yeah. free. And if you look at where the Broncos are struggling defensively, 
sure they've stopped the run game and the Texans don't really have one anyway, but I think yeah. they should be able to put the ball in the areas of the field, like in that kind of in between the linebackers zone. That's where yeah. the Broncos are weak. Um, or weak, or maybe not weak, weak or. Um, so I feel like they might be able to exploit them there. Uh, but all that said, I'm going to say, you know what? Russell Wilson's going to keep it rolling. It's going to be six in a row. They're going to extend that AFC longest running record. And they're going to do it too. Because again, I think that the Texans, as good as they've been, the Jaggers showed last week that they're they're still a team with a young quarterback and you can still get to them. Mm-hmm. You can still win. Yeah. So Broncos by okay. one point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the Broncos' uh, model this season is uncommon after their let's ride last season. So, yeah, it has been a bit, a bit of an uncommon season from the way they started and the way they've turned it around. But, yeah, I'm going Texans as well, very much for the same reasons as what you mentioned there, Stu. The Broncos yeah. can't stop all those weapons on that offence. Yeah. Uh, and they've not got enough to throw back at the Texans in terms of... If this goes into a shootout, the Texans will win it quite comfortably. Uh, I don't think the, yeah. the Broncos can keep up with them. Um, I'm yeah. going to go Texans by 10. Oof, okay. <laughs> I still think it's close either way, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to stick with Broncos, but uh, we'll call this a two to one, but with an asterisk because I don't really believe that. <laughs> two and a half. I just think those, those, those yards per catch you were talking about, you shut yeah. down one person, that's that's where the, the, the Texans are just going to be too strong, definitely. I mean, you're picking up a first down on nearly every reception, then, you know <laughs> I mean? Right, guys, let's move on to the last game. So we've got NFC number one versus NFC number two. It's already been touted as a preview of the NFC Championship game. It's getting the dreaded crew curses game of the week. So 49ers at the Eagles. Craig, give us your, give us your run through this one. Um, I'm looking forward to this one, Dan. It's, um, yeah, a, a cracking, cracking matchup. So yeah, 49ers, 8-3 49ers and the 10-1 te- the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, come on. Um, they've just been yeah, the, the absolute on-form team, uh, without a doubt. So, yeah, hosting the, the 49ers at home. Um, they both won last week. Um, Philly eventually won. Like, they beat the Bills in that overtime game. Uh, once again, you know, Josh Allen in overtime, you, you could have guaranteed that it was going to be an Eagles victory. Um, and that's them, yeah, five in a row. So, yeah, the Niners, they, they comfortably beat the Seahawks. And we talked about the Seahawks earlier on. Um, they, they never really looked in any, you know, any doubt beating the um, beating the Seahawks, and, and Purdy's been playing exceptionally well. Um, he's he's having yeah near near perfect game, um, so he de- definitely deserves a bit of love and a bit of credit. Um, we can't yeah we can't not talk about the previous NFC Championship game, but this is a very very different 49ers side. For a start, they have a they have a quarterback, which is a good start, because um, last year, let's be honest, they didn't really have that. Um, they they just had such a ridiculously bad run of luck at quarterback. You know, they to deal with the injuries to not just Purdy, but you had guys like say Jimmy G at the start, Trey Lance, even uh, Josh Johnson when he went out in that that championship game as well. They just had absolutely horrendous luck. So they quarterback, eh? I know exactly. It was it was getting to that point. You're like they're gonna have to like chuck CMC in here. Um, so yeah, the fact they had no healthy quarterbacks, well, you, you can't yeah, you can't really look too much into that. It was what it was. Eagles won comfortably, but 
See, 49ers, very, very different side uh, in, in this matchup. So, I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated to see what's happened because, I say, loads of Purdy love. Purdy's not, not only is he accurate, but he's he's really agile in the pocket. Um, he's really good at, I say, think, thinking on his feet. Um, and the Eagles are going to have to deal with that. Now, the Eagles have dealt with agile quarterbacks really, really well so far. They've, they've faced guys like Dak Prescott. They've faced guys like Pat Mahomes. Josh Allen last week, and, and they've still managed to win all those matchups. So they're absolutely capable in this game. Um, where potentially um, the 49ers have the edge a little bit um, is the fact that they played on Thanksgiving, they played on Thursday night. So they've had a wee bit more time to prepare for this game, maybe a wee bit fresher. Whereas the Eagles, they've essentially played you know, an extra quarter of football against a tough Bills team. So they're going to come out of this you know, a wee bit more battered and bruised, and we'll get onto it later on. But you, you look at the you look at the injury reports as well. There's quite a lot of Eagles players um, still potentially doubtful. DMPs in there compared to the 49ers. So yeah, a lot of things to 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 look out for there for sure. Um, but yeah, I'd say hopefully we get a quarterback that lasts the entire game. Um, Purdy's um, yeah going to be really excited to watch him. Because uh, there's a yeah a, a lot of uh, a lot of expectation there um, on the Eagles. Like just flipping over a bit, there's a, there's a good wee sub narrative, right? And I don't know if you've seen this um, or heard about this. So Debo Samuel, uh, he was he was interviewed a wee while back about the Eagles cornerbacks uh, Darius Slay and, and James Bradbury, um, and he was full of praise. Um, for Slay, but he labelled Bradbury as trash, <laughs> and he was and he was <laughs> a, he was asked about it, um, like in the, in the lead up to this, saying like, do you, do you have any further comment? And basically said, I I stand by everything I said <laughs> during that interview. So I love it when you get these wee side narratives, you know, like just can't wait to see these players like up against each other. So I I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, to seeing that one. Um, the other really cool thing is um, on on the ground game. That this is two teams that do not give up very much on the ground. Right, you're you're second in the NFL against third in the NFL for giving up yards per game. Now, if you're the 49ers, you're not really worried about that because you've got Christian McCaffrey. And again, if you're the Eagles, not particularly worried about that because you've got Dondre Swift, who have both been absolutely brilliant on the ground. So there's. There's definitely, you know, like these these two kind of juggernauts coming together. Um, something's going to have to give there, um, and it's going to be yeah, pretty fascinating to see what happens. Um, yeah, I, 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 just 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 one just one more thing. I know it's really 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 early, but the Eagles, if certain results go their way, could actually be the first team to officially make the playoffs in this game, and that's also could. Could be the first time. Um, I, I'd need to look up the stats, but listen, it's so early on in the season, especially now we're on a 17-game season, that they might be able to do it. But there's a lot of things that have to go their way for that to happen. But it could happen. It could, it could. Hopefully not, but hopefully <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Stu, what's going to separate these two teams this week? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Like, because I was trying to think, like, well, how can each team get each other? And yeah. The one thing I know you just said, like how well the Eagles' defense has done, um, especially even especially against the run, now yep. as well. But like one thing I kind of noticed that uh, I'd kind of written down here or whatever was like in the last 
the last two games, um, against the, I know it's against the Chiefs and the Bills, but the Niners are, you know, a team that have obviously have Christian McCaffrey. On, uh, mm. So they have a very good running game. So in those last two games, they've gave up uh, 341 rushing yards uh, over the last two against the Chiefs and the Bills. That's more than they gave up in the first five games of the season combined. I think sort of gave up just in those last two games. So the Eagles are starting to look like they're maybe having some issues, like protecting the run. And, you know, for me, when I think back on the Chiefs game, it seemed to be like they were almost like, if they run, like for the runners, if they were getting by the, uh, the, the defensive linemen, linebackers were really having a hard time bringing guys down. Well, I know it's Pacheco and he runs like an absolute cannonball, but they were having issues bringing him down. Was the thing, and then you talk about Christian McCaffrey, and then you talk about the the running backs that the Niners have that even back him up as well. It's like they're all good runners, even Debo Samuel if he's coming at the backfield because sometimes they do with that that one too. So that could be a problem for the Eagles. Uh, on the other side, though, um, you do have that kind of thing of well, you have the Eagles pass rush. So if they can work past the Niners, admittedly very good offensive line. Purdy isn't Josh Allen, and that was the one thing with the Bills where they struggled there was Josh Allen was getting free, able to run a lot. Purdy's not yeah. quite the same kind of quarterback. He's definitely more. He has good pocket movement, and he throws it like you were saying, Smudger. But he's not going to be able to take off himself and get those first downs, or maybe get eight yards rushing like Josh Allen was doing the other night, because that's yeah. what the Bills were having their success against them. Yeah, um, I mean, if you look at the last two games, like you said, the Chiefs and the, the Bills. It's not as if they're up against the elite running backs there. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously he's a bit of a cannonball, but they're giving up those yards to teams who don't have an elite running back. So yeah. how are they going to George, with George Allen is the one doing the, the rushing damage for the Bills. Like, let's face it, yeah. it wasn't really uh, so much Cook and uh, and uh, what's his head? I forgot his name now. But anyway, it wasn't the running backs that the, the Bills that were really doing all the damage. Uh, Latavius Murray, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was Josh Allen. So. You know, maybe take it with it might not be a weakness. I might be seeing nothing there, is what I'm trying to say. But Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey, so we need to remember that. So that and Debo Samuel is Debo Samuel as well. So uh, you know, but at the same time, Brock Purdy, I think that if the Eagles' pass rush can be what they are, then mm. that might cause problems for him too, or might cause problems for the Niners. But, yeah, just looking at can uh, talk about the defenses there. Jalen Hurts is the sixth most sacked quarterback in the league this year. He's tied with Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. Is this because you think because he's trying to make plays himself and he's getting stopped that he's technically been registered as a sack? Or is are people getting to him through that offensive line? I think it's the extending plays um, and the fact that he has the legs and ability to do that. Like That's what's leading to more sacks because it's the same thing with Lamar as well. Although okay. Lamar's obviously been I mean, actually, all three of them, I know Fields can run as well. All three of them, there seems to have been more of an emphasis on don't just run the ball every single time. But what they do is they do move outside the pocket to extend plays if they can. And I think sometimes they're maybe just not getting rid of the ball early enough because they're all yeah. looking to make passes. Um, and that's maybe why they're taking so many sacks. Uh, yeah. Although Justin Fields, he plays for the Bears, so it could be that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other two are weak quarterbacks, let's face it, kind of thing. And as a slight aside, just as I'm looking at these stats, so Lamar Jackson's played 12 games, he's got 29 sacks. Tommy DeVito for the Giants has played five games and got 28 sacks. 
but it was but it was nine in one game, I think, wasn't there? Anyway, that's a yeah. that's a slight off topic there. Um right, guys, let's get predictions in for this one. Uh, Stu, where's this going? This is even harder than the Texas Broncos one, if I'm fully <laughs> honest. Uh, usually I would side with the Niners, but in this one, I honestly feel that the Eagles, especially after I know they did it in overtime and it was a it was a hard, hard win that they had last week. I just think the Eagles are maybe too strong and I feel like there might be too much for their... I think they're going to get to Purdy. Um, and I do think they also have the offensive weapons on the other side of the ball that they might be able to put a dent. Because the Niners' defence, if you looked at it earlier in the season, they weren't quite as... They've been playing better the last few games, but they weren't quite the Niners' defence from last year. And I do think there's still holes in the cornerbacks there that could be exploited. Because um, they lost to Fanga as well, didn't they? So they've, they've lost one of their safeties, so... I think that Hurts could maybe, Hurts and AJ Brown could maybe have a, good, a day. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. Uh, it's not going to be by much, though. I think it's like, you know, three points, five points, something like less than a touchdown anyway. But yeah, Eagles. Smudge up. I'm, I'm going to go on the flip side of that just because of the point I made earlier on about the, the 49ers have had a little bit more time to prepare for this game and that the Eagles was an overtime win. I think the injury report, there's 12 players in the, the Eagles injury report. Five of them are DMPs. That could be a bit of a concern if you're a, if you're a Philly fan. Whereas on yeah the, the, the 49ers side, there's not really much to be too concerned about. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go 49ers in this one. But I think it's going to be tight and I think it's only going to be basketball. Yeah, I mean, I can't go for the Eagles for obvious reasons. I mean, I can give it up when I give it to the Giants. <laughs> Give myself that kind of leeway, but never enough to give the Eagles a win. I, th- I think the 49ers do win. I think we'll maybe see another overtime game here or a kind of walk-off walk off field goal win here. I think this is going to be mega, mega tight. Um, just who gets the kick is what it's going to be. I know, uh, Stu, you're a fan of Jake Moody, so let's hope it's him. <laughs> well, I mean, I should, so you're saying I should maybe, like, uh, we'll get to kickers later, but you're saying I should what? maybe start them in my... My team this week, he's sitting on my bench right now. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> wait, wait, if he, even if he just scores that one field goal to win the game, I don't care as long as he does it. <laughs> right, guys, let's let's do our, uh, our favourite by the show. So, rest in one this week, guys. I've looked through the fixtures now. I've tried to pick five games that were worth, kinda, that could be able to go either way as such. <clears throat> to an extent, the rest of them looked very obvious or very midland, so I've just picked five, so... Usual rules yep. apply, guys. One word answer, then I somehow for some reason don't give one word answers. But anyway, uh, we'll go clockwise as usual. Stu, we'll start yourself. Colts and Titans. Minshew. Colts. <laughs> Minshew Mania. <laughs> Smudge up. Colts. Yeah, I'm going Colts. Uh, Zach Moss, fantasy owner here. It's time for him to step back up to the plate. No, he's like, what's that on team? I know it's Zach Moss, sorry. Zach Moss will step back up to the plate this week and avoid a big, huge game again. And maybe I'll get a week where I can win in the fantasy. Hey, cards and the Steelers. (laughs) Cards and Steelers. Steelers. I think defence is the word. Yep, I, I agree. Steelers, I think there was, there was a bit of hope a couple of weeks ago. Car, cards with Murray might be turning a corner, but I think we're starting to see that he, he can't shoulder everything. So yeah, I'm going I'm going Steelers as well. 
We should we yeah. should probably mention one thing on this, Dan, uh, as well. Actually, just want to remember for the the cards. I might bring this up yeah. when we're talking about the Eagles. Uh, Zach yeah. Ertz has been released at his own request. Ooh, yeah. a tight end. So they're they're going with McBride um, as a guy moving forward, which I think's a good decision. But yeah. um, if Ertz clears waivers, which he will, seeing as he's owed so much money for the rest of the season, um, I imagine he will probably be signing in Philly and. With Goddard carrying a bit of an injury, I think he else is going to see what they are. And he's a guy that knows the system, so it should be plug and play. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so the Cards have lost one of their tight ends. Yeah, I think two and a half, two and a half million is he due for the rest of this season. Uh, he's going to clear waivers. Actually, once we finish this, I'm going to come back to something about waivers in a wee second. I forgot to cover it later on. Uh, I'm going to go with Steelers here as well. As much as the Steelers are bang average, they're still better than the Cardinals. Uh, Browns and the Rams. Rams, I think, yeah, just Browns have lost a quarterback, so Rams. Agreed, I think Rams, yeah. Browns, I think the season's a bit of a, bit of a write-off, so, yeah, I would agree, going Rams. Yeah, after seeing the performance Williams put up last week, they've really started Stafford's back as well, I think yeah, Rams should win this. Um, well, you never know, Joe Flacco has done miracles in his career before, you never know. Hey, uh, Super Bowl. Is, is he the first Super Bowl winning quarterback to play for the Browns? I assume so, because none of the Browns quarterbacks have ever won a Super Bowl. I know. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I couldn't get through the history of the Browns quarterbacks, but I would estimate that that would be a very accurate guess. Uh, Chiefs at the Packers. Chiefs. Thank Yeah, Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, I think so. Packers have Packers have looked okay over the last few weeks, but I think the Chiefs are getting too strong. Uh, Bengals at the Jags, though. Jags. <laughs> <laughs> at least I don't mind the Jags. So, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I have Trevor Lawrence and like multiple fantasy teams. So, yeah, uh, he, he puts up some big points. So I feel less bad because I win my fantasy matchups. I guess. It's my job. Um, I agree with Stu, 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Calvin Ridley than our Belton game last week for the, for the Jags, I think uh, they'll, be, they'll be too strong yeah. for the Bengals this week. So, right, yeah, that's Sorry, it, that's Stu, it. I know that must have been tough. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess we've just cursed it. We've just given the Jags a full house, so we never know. Oh, we've cursed it, we've cursed it. <laughs> uh, one thing I just wanted to talk about, guys, uh, just briefly, because we're running quite over here. Uh, Shaq Leonard, where's he going? Cowboys or the Eagles? Who wants to hear us? I think the Eagles. Oh, Smudgers disconnected. We're all having a shot tonight disconnecting. Uh, I mean, the thing, what I've, I've been watching today, and I read it, obviously I forgot, him and Sirianni worked together. Um, I forgot about that and they said he closed, but then I then found out that Shaq Leonard and Stefan Gilmore are best mates. So, Ooh, okay. so maybe fly. I don't know that either. So, is he going to go with his ex coach? Is he going to go with his best friend? It'd be interesting to see where that one goes. Yeah, uh, there is something for playing with your, your friends, though. So, I mean, no, I don't know. I see. I just thought because of Seriani, like, he would go with the Eagles, and that was that. Like, it was a done deal, but no, you're right. He could go with the Cowboys. So. Aye. Yeah, I Good forgot Craig had to boost uh, for half nine. I realised we ran over there. So uh, he sent me his um, 
his picks for fantasy stuntly for. So um, I thought he, I thought he had to leave at half time, so I thought we had another five minutes of him, but he's had the boost. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll continue without him, right? Stud sleepers, I've completely forgot who's what. Where's my, where's my, where's my script going? Right, Stu, you've got the quarterbacks, take it away with that. I mean, not a, not exactly a kind of non-obvious stud, but I'm going with Dak Prescott because I just feel like he's going to be putting up monster points again this week. So he's the, the stud of the week at quarterback. Uh, for sleeper, I wanted to go a little more kind of, I guess, off the beaten path a tad. Um, and I'm going to say Matt Stafford. I realise the Cleveland Browns have a good defence, but... I just feel like he's due a game. He's kind of been coming back from injury and he's looking slightly better now. So, sleeper of the week, Matt Stafford against the yeah. Cleveland. <clears throat> I went with him as my sleeper last week as well. Oh, well. I, <laughs> I mean, that's also ingrained in the brain <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah, no, I, think, well, it's, I think it's a great pick. Uh, I think that's why I went from last week and I was like, he's just coming back from injury. Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a good pick. Uh, next, I think it's me for running back. So running backs this week, um, I've just looked at the injury report, so I'm not sure who's going to start. So I'm going to pull a studs here uh, and say whoever starts at running back for the Dolphins is going to be the stud this week against the Commanders. Both of them are shown as questionable. <laughs> More start and they're both shown as questionable in the injury report. So whoever starts, I think probably will be my start. So whoever it is that starts will be, is going to be my stud this week. Uh, sleeper, I was, it was a tough one looking at the games. Um, I don't want to say, I probably want to say it's not really a sleeper, but he has been quiet over the last few weeks as because of a return of Taylor. So I'm going to go with Zach Moss. I know he has a very obvious pick because Taylor is injured, but in terms of performance over the last couple of weeks, um, but I think he's going to start Zach Moss anyway because Taylor's injured. But if you're thinking about playing somebody else over Zach Moss, don't get Zach Moss on your team. Uh, Craig, wide receivers, so I'll pull up, I've got this here. He's going to go with, is he stud? Uh, someone that you praised a lot earlier on, uh, Cortland Sutton. Oh, really? He's going with him as he stud wide receiver this week. Um, so, and for his sleeper, he's went with uh, Demario Douglas. I guess, yeah, who's so, the parts are playing the Chargers? Okay, yes. so yeah, yeah, I can see that because I mean, we've, we've talked about the Chargers' defense is slightly softer, so yeah, so a bit, um, a bit, a bit bold with Bailey Zappi. It sounds like he's going to be the one that's starting, so yeah, old pick, but I like it as a sleeper. It's uh, sleep, exactly, exactly. Right. Uh, tight, and in fact, do you know what? I'll come to you for the kickers first because I, for- I forgot who yeah. picked those tight ends. You can second, you go kickers, and I'll come back to me with the tight ends. Uh, okay, so my stud of the week, I'm actually going to go with Jason Sanders from the Dolphins. Like the, he's been looking kind of pretty good uh, <laughs> after being fairly poor early in the season, just because the Dolphins were only going for touchdowns and <laughs> they didn't care about uh, getting three pointers. But I feel like him against the Commanders, he has a chance there. It's a kicker on a good offense, so I think he's stud of the week. He'll be able to kind of pick up some big points. Sleeper. Um, Again, going for the, the old rule of go for a kicker and a good offence. I'm going to go with Cameron Dicker. So Dicker, the kicker for the Chargers against yeah. the Bats. So there's another player from that game. Uh, Honourable mention to Aubrey, obviously, as well, because I do think Dallas are going to put up points this week. I just think he's now too obvious of a, a pick for stud, even. So yeah. that's why he's not getting named in there. But, um, yeah, Dicker is well, my... He's only going to score a lot of one-pointers. He's not going to score a lot of three-pointers either. So you maybe don't want him in your team this week. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, Telling the tight ends, I completely forgot to look at it, so I apologise. Um, I think I'm going to go stud this week. I think I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go with George Kittle. I think the 49ers are going to need everybody in their offence to, to step up this week. And Kittle has had a few decent games this year, but he's probably not getting the production that we're used to seeing. So I'm going to go with Kittle as a stud this week. I think he really needs to step up this week for that 49ers team to win against the Eagles. Uh, and Sleeper, he's been a sleeper on numerous occasions. He's not, I don't think he's at the level of being a stud yet, which is why I'm going to pick him again as a sleeper. You're one of your players that you love, it's going to be Jake Ferguson. Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think he's not at a level of being a stud yet, so I'm going to slide him as a sleeper still. Uh, and Craig's defences, so he's went for his stud as the Dolphins. Uh, I don't see that being a bad pick, to be fair, as your stud against the Commanders. Uh, and his sleeper, he's went for the Jets, the Falcons, uh, which I can see the logic in that because the Falcons on offence don't really know what they're doing at the moment. Um, obviously, for some reason, that Arthur Smith decided to find Bijan Robinson in the back of a cupboard last week and actually give him the ball. He's finally like kind of polished enough boots for the, the older players in the boot room. Right. Or in, the, in the room and it's like, you know what, you, you're no longer the, the fresh rookie, we're going to let you run the ball. I know, it was, <laughs> as if it was like, as if Arthur Smith didn't know that he could do that, it was like, as if, oh, I've got a running back that can do that. Everybody else knew it. Yeah, so I, I can see... I mean that's the only that could be the only downfall to that is, uh, but the Jets' defense is pretty strong. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a decent pick and see why he's went with that logic. Um, and actually, that slides us in nicely to one last point I want to make before we finish is Aaron Rodgers. Twenty-one day window is opened. Twenty-one day window is open. That's just ridiculous, isn't it? I really, I mean, it's one of those things where one hundred percent he is coming back too soon but it's one of those things where the 21 day window where he is allowed to practice with teammates is open it does yeah. not mean he is going to play we should stress that yeah. and I think even he knows that he's probably not going to play I think he would love to uh, just because he's he's clearly that kind of guy like he wants to be the guy that's out there leading his team and everything but by any stretch of the you know the fact that the doctors have okayed it means he must be healthy enough yeah. to at least take the field for practice so the operation clearly went well and the man's powers of recovery are clearly something else so um we'll see how yeah. it goes i doubt he plays like i say but yeah still yeah. still probably must be good news for jets fans to be able to see him there's there might be a light at the end of the tunnel for next season yeah but if you look at it if he's realistically he's not going to play in the next three weeks if it is then after that 28 one day window they decide to activate him you're at the stage of your season's probably over by that point for the jets um, so week 17 they've got I just looked at a second ago my mind just went blank who they've got the Browns and then the Patriots so if you get to the point where your season's over and you think maybe get some game time you're then risking them in a pointless game so it's just no <laughs> I mean what's the point in risking an injury in the two games that are basically pointless other than getting them back on the field for a morale boost and maybe a bit of game rustiness for him but yeah, is it keep, worth it? I mean, are those games at home or are they away? Uh, they are away to the Patriots. In fact, both away. Okay, well, yeah, you're not going to play them then because if it's at home, you maybe have the thing of it pits me bombs in seats kind of thing. Like there's probably more. Yes, the Jets fan base is pretty big, but um, 
you would definitely generate more excitement for the games if Rogers was going to be suiting up for them. Yeah, I suppose the original game against the Patriots to finish the season, you could end up getting the Patriots the worst season I've had in a long time. It'd be tempting, I'm assuming, as a Jets fan, to just to throw them in that last game against the Patriots. But yeah. for me, it's too risky. There's no point. If it's a meaningless game, I would, I would, I would be like, we have you under contract for next year. Like We are going to continue building and give you everything you want for next season. Like Sorry that the injury, you know, Sorry, we weren't able to do it this year. You were injured, kind of thing. Because I know Aaron Rodgers can be a bit huffy, and the, we've seen in the off season where every single year there was always the bit of the huffy had with the Packers. But I still feel that the Jets relationship seems good enough that that's unlikely to happen this yeah. off season. So I'd, I don't even think they need to make many excuses to him or, or kind of try to please him in many ways, yeah. other than just go out and try to find some various buddies to to sign. Yeah, to be fair, it was, it, was, <laughs> it was full of uh, praise for uh, Dak Prescott this week uh, on the Pat McAfee show, I so I can't, uh, I can't complain. And, uh, and it, did, it was, I forgot to say it, doing the Cowboys, but uh, but Dak's cadence is, is hilarious at the moment. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where's that came from? It's I brilliant. Don't, I don't know, but it's working. <laughs> did, you, did you see the clip? We, uh, did you watch the interview? Yeah. About, about Russell Wilson, hot one, hot two, hot three. <laughs> to get back to back to the early days of football with his cadence. <laughs> oh, Gary, yes, yes, yes. We better wrap up, Stu. I was going to say statistic of the week. Oh, sorry, statistic of the week. Go for it. So we'll just do that before we go here. So statistic of the week, and uh, it's actually kicker related, and we should Make probably get to. The uh, Keith's favourite in Atlanta Falcons, best kicker of all time in the NFL's now leading um, percentage converted or leading the NFL oh, all time list in per- uh, percentage conversion rate. I've seen this. He's now the only kicker with a rate above ninety percent, or he's sitting exactly on ninety percent. Whereas Justin Tucker missed a kick last week. Yes, dropped down to eighty nine point nine three percent. So. Statistic of the week, uh, the top conversion rate for a kicker with a minimum of 100 attempts uh, is Young Waku. There you go. There you go. Is that you changing your favourite now? Are you going to try and steal Keith's? Or we should also make the name it the Kutistic of the week. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, that's a great point to finish with. I enjoyed that. Well, folks, we're, we're, we're just there on the half, so we better wrap up. So thanks for listening tonight uh, and watching. We have had a few technical difficulties at I have, uh, but we've stuck with it. We've got through the night. Stu, thanks as always for for yep. joining the Thursday night crew. Thanks for having me along. It was a it was a good time as always. And um, anybody listening, uh, when we drop out next, we are actually done. Don't keep hanging around waiting for us to <laughs> back up. <laughs> but not yeah, we, we will be done. It's over. Uh, I know he's not here anymore. But Smudger, you'll be listening uh, back. So thanks very much for tonight. Uh, Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Get us on all your socials. We'll, we'll get uh, with a couple of good points or we'll get them up on the socials. We'll get that. Uh, somehow, mag- Keith to Magic up a graphic of the all Scottish NFL offense. Yeah. We'll get that up somehow on the socials. Uh, and we'll get, you're uh, Day, everybody, whatever you're, you're up to. Have a wee dram tonight. You know what? I, I spoke about St Andrews Day and never wished I was a St Andrews Day. Yeah. I've got my, my Scotty Doug playing the bagpipes mug. Here, love it. Watching, love it. Smudger, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. 
Uh, guys on all the socials, folks. Guys on wherever you get your podcasts. The guys will be back on Monday night for the review through. Hopefully, we get some good games to chat about. Uh, until then, we'll 